I've said it before, the one thing to remember is that while we have four Gospels, uh, we'll use that word, uh, in the, uh, contained in the New Testament, there in reality is only one Gospel, and the, what we call Gospels are, are according to us, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And uh, St. John records uh, things a little bit differently, uh, and the other three, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptics because they, they see together, which is what synoptic means, optic, sin meaning with, an optic meaning uh, sight. Yet, at the same time, there is something that is beautiful when we remember that all four help tell the story of Jesus Christ, help us know the gospel, because we don't have to just stay in one gospel. We can look at the, how the words are used in the other gospels or what, what is there. And when we look at the gospel of St. John, we see something kind of magnificent, First, uh, I'll, I'll point out that in the Gospel of St. John, and I found myself pondering this on, on Good Friday, we don't hear of the kiss of Judas. Rather, Jesus stands in front of them when he's being arrested, and whom are you looking for? Well, Jesus, Nazareth, and I am, and they fall to their knees, and whom are you looking for? Jesus and Nazareth, I, I told you, I am he. If you're, if you're here for me, let these men go. Jesus is in control. And that throughout the gospel, throughout the passion narrative especially, it's Jesus who is in control, Jesus who is in command of the situation. And even today in this passage that we have with this third appearance, we heard of the first two last week on Divine Mercy Sunday, that first Easter Sunday as Jesus appears to them, and then, of course, that second Sunday of Easter appears to them again, this time Thomas with them. Here the third time, and uh, it really focuses on St. Peter. And already, at whatever point in the Easter season, that first Easter season this was, it's already coming to be aware that really it's St. Peter who is now kind of the guide. But poor St. Peter doesn't quite know what to do. After all, consider what he had done that first Holy Thursday. Even though he was told by Jesus in all four Gospels, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny even knowing me. Oh, no, 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 Lord, that will never happen. In one Gospel, I'll go to the death for you. Yeah, really? <laughs> Before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And so maybe there was some shame for St. Peter. Because nowhere in there, in the appearance, did Jesus turn to Peter and say, Peter, I forgive you. Yes, as we heard last week, Jesus breathed on them, gave them the Holy Spirit, whose sins you retain are retained, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. But in the back of St. Peter's mind, he's probably thinking, now what? What do I do now? I denied him three times, and he hasn't said anything about it. What do I do? I don't know about you, but when I find myself asking that question, when I'm lost, I fall back into old patterns. Sometimes good habits, most of the time. Sometimes not so good habits. Oh, we get in the, the pity party we start to spiral. St. Peter, though, I'm going fishing. 
And the other disciples, apostles, they don't know what to do any more than he does. Sure, we'll go with you. And here's where it's important to remember the other Gospels. This is not the first time they've gone fishing, of course, but it is the second time where they've been out all night and have caught nothing. One in St. Luke's Gospel, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, they were fishing all night, and Jesus begins preaching, and he tells them, he gets into Peter's boat and tells him, put out a short distance, and he begins to proclaim the Gospel to the people. And then he takes them out and says, Lord, the Natum Master, we've been out all night and we've caught nothing but at your command. And here again, they've been out all night and caught nothing. This is a shame. I think maybe St. Peter was maybe more ashamed of catching nothing than he was of even denying the Lord, perhaps. Perhaps that's a reason why St. John records, by the way, the number of 153 large fish. We, we don't know why St. John, absolutely, I should say, why St. John would include that fact, but as fishermen, most fishermen know this. They're, they're going to they're gonna tell you the exact number, or maybe not so exact, maybe a little bit increased. But there they are. They see Jesus. They don't know it's him. Have you caught anything? Cast out to the other side. And with that, it's St. John, the beloved disciple, who recognizes it is the Lord. And St. Peter does something, if you think about it, is rather strange. Hearing it's the Lord, he tucks in his garment, for he is lightly clad, that's what the translation says. The actual is, he put on his clothes, for he was naked. I find that interesting, because I, I, where do you else hear of somebody else being naked? But in the garden, at the beginning, after the whole incident of the serpent and the fruit. Adam hears God in the garden and hides, even though he's covered in fig leaves. Anyone that knows fig leaves knows that they don't cover much. And he hides because he's ashamed. But here the exact opposite is. Perhaps Simon Peter was ashamed, but now he's not going to hide anymore. He's going to hide his shame, perhaps, to use a euphemism for his own nakedness. But he's going to put on clothes to present himself to the Lord, even though those clothes are going to be soaked when he gets to the shore. But he's so excited that he jumps into the water fully clothed, ashamed perhaps, but knowing it's the Lord. And the Lord feeds them. And he pulls Simon Peter aside Here's where it's important to know that sometimes our translations aren't so good. If we read it at the surface level, it sounds like Jesus is asking the same question three times. He's not. The first time he's asking, do you love me more than these? And that these, you know me well enough to know I like to play with words, but there, it's in the Greek it can go all these ways. Do you love me more than you love the fish, the net, the boat, the shore, the sea, the sky, the sun, the moon? Do you love me more than you love the apostles? Do you love me more than these? But it could also be, do you love me more than these people love me? Do you love me greater than James and John, Andrew, Thomas? Do you love me more than these do? 
The word he uses for love is agape. It's unconditional, without limit, without condition, without end. It's a decision of the mind, of the will. It's a commitment that does not waver. Do you love me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, you know that I doesn't answer with agape. He answers with another Greek word, philio, you. The best way to understand that word is friendship, affection. I have a, friend, a friendship with you, affection with you. And philosophers of the time and before and even after have gone back and forth. Which is what more important? Which, which is higher? Uh, Christian philosophers and theologians say that it's agape, this choice of the will, where we make this conscious decision that we choose in good times and in bad, in all situations, that we are going to make a commitment to this one that we say we love. But others say, well, our heart, the affection we have, is most important. And while that might be true, let's look at affection for a little bit. The problem with affection is sometimes it wavers, doesn't it? Sometimes our affection is a little fickle. You who are married, I don't want to see a show of hands, but have you always had all the affection in the world for your spouse? If you're honest, there's times where that affection kind of wavers, isn't it? When he leaves the toilet seat up, perhaps. Or when she nags a little bit too much. That affection wavers, and that's the problem with affection. Sometimes it goes. Hopefully not forever. And perhaps at this point, St. Peter's already starting to think, yes, I didn't show so much affection in the high priest's courtyard that day. I denied even knowing you. Perhaps already he's realizing that that affection hasn't always been there, but now something more is wanted. And so Jesus asks again, Simon, Peter, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. And then he asks a third time, Simon, do you filio me? Do you have a friendship, affection for me? And now Simon Peter is cut to the quick. Not only because he's asked twice already if this agape was there, but now the very same word being used, he's already answered it. But there's something amazing too about that word, filio. It's the same word that was used by the other three authors for what Judas did in the garden. When Judas kissed the Lord, it's the same word. When Judas gave this mark of affection by giving a kiss, Maybe St. Peter was cut to the quick because he understood that Judas filioed the Lord, but it didn't mean anything. And now he has to have both this agape and filio. He has to say yes to the Lord in good times and in bad, without limit, without end. And the question that he is asked 
has consequence. If you really say yes, you know that the time is coming when you will be taken where you don't want to go dressed in what you don't want to wear. Stretch out your hands in a way you don't want to stretch them out. And St. John tells us this was to indicate how he would die. St. John is the last recorded his, the gospel according to him, last. Probably in 90 A.D. St. Peter was crucified in about 66 give or take, A.D. St. John knew more than anything the consequence of Peter's yes. But we can even see it in today's Gospel reading. <laughs> or first reading, sorry. In, in today's first reading, how St. Peter stands up with boldness. They're told not to preach the name of Jesus, and he does it all the more, and he rejoices in being found to be dishonorable of dishonored because of his proclamation. He's going to preach all the more. And the question for us is perhaps the same thing as what it was for St. Peter. Do we just have an affection for the Lord? When all is going well, it's really easy to have an affection for the Lord, to stand up and say, yes, I'm Catholic. Yes, I love the church. Yes, I will, will do whatever the church wants. But when the going gets tough, when there's persecution perhaps, or, as we've seen, this hardship of the last, whatever it is, 19 years, this open wound that we've experienced with the sexual misconduct of priests, and now we see it spilling over in other areas, this revelation coming. It's not so easy to say, I love the church, or I love Christ. And that's why we need this agape love, too to make a conscious decision, and to realize sometimes it's not always easy. But when we make the conscious decision to follow the Lord, it always leads to life that we don't have to fear. The Lord is standing in front of us today, and in this Eucharist is giving himself to us to ask us, do you love me? And no matter which word he he's using, whether it's this unconditional love or this affection, let her answer be both. Yes, Lord, I have an affection for you, an affection that, while sometimes it might waver, because of the agape, the unconditional love I have for you, it will come back. And even if my heart grows cold, I know that it will burn again with love for you, because you love me without end. We can't just be fair-weather friends. We need much more than just a passing affection. We need to say, I love you, Lord, with all my heart and all my mind and all my will.